Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. And it's called Flourish. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for every single one of us is to flourish in the presence of God, to flourish among community, to flourish between our fellow Christ followers. Because every single one of us desire to grow and mature and come to a place that we can really be a benefit, not just to ourselves, but to those around us as well. So I was thinking about this and I thought about, you know, change. And the thing that changes, change is not always a comfortable subject, right? And I think about change, the first thing that comes to my mind is moving house. And that's one of the things that I hate the most, you know, packing up boxes and pulling down stuff and packing up the truck and hiring the truck and putting all the stuff. I don't like it at all. In fact, Chanel does most of it, you know, <laughs> because it's like one of the things I hate the most. I hate moving. And I don't know about you, but change is always challenging, right? Anytime you hear the word change, there's an anxiety that starts to get on the inside. There's, you know, what's going to happen now? Is this good? Is this bad? What am I going to have to do? What am I going to have to say? How do I adapt? How do I do things? But change can also be a good thing. You know, getting a raise is a good change, right? Getting a new baby in your family, that's a good change. That's something that's joyful. But change, whether good or bad, requires something from you and I. It requires that we adapt to things that are going on around us. Because if your environment changes and you don't adapt, you don't succeed. Because everything around you is changing and you remain the same, you won't succeed. You have to adapt. So in order to flourish, you need to be aware of what's happening around you and you also need to be adaptable to the environment that's happening. And when we look at change, one of the most significant changes in the history of the world started in the Jesus movement. You see that when Jesus arrived on the scene, there was a massive shift. Things in the world began to change. Jesus was the catalyst for transformation. His arrival initiated a change in the world that is still being felt today as Jesus followers we are called to be part of that transformation. A movement that has its genesis in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, but has impact in our world today, and will have impact for the history of the world. Yet many may know who Jesus is, but don't necessarily follow him. That's where you and I come in. This is what we are called to do. To carry out the mission of Jesus to our friends, to our neighbors, and to our co-workers. And not just to exist in this world, but to flourish in spite of a culture that might not be for us. I think that all of us on some level desire to grow. To get better at whatever it is that we do. Our job, our ministry, our work. A father, a mother, we all want to get better at things in life. We want to improve, we want to succeed, we want to flourish. The fact is that everything alive has to grow. 
That is one of the tenets of life, that it grows. Because that chair doesn't grow. It's not considered alive. So everything alive has to grow. See, Jesus used to talk a lot about growth. And he used to talk about trees and, and seeds and flowers and plants and things that were in his world. In fact, Psalm 1, which I want to talk about this morning, is a reflection of this principle. It describes a person who is in tune with God. Probably a better way to put this is that they see their world with a similar perspective that God does. Seeing the same thing doesn't necessarily mean you have the same perspective. Because we can all see the same thing, but we can have uniquely different perspectives on the same event, on the same view, on the same thing, different views. However, the psalmist who's writing Psalm 1 describes one, a person, whose view is aligned and in tune with God, what God's view of the world is. And this is what the psalmist says, talking about this person. He says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And I love this part. Whatever they do prospers. Because their view of their world aligns with God. And so because God desires for us to grow and, grow and flourish, their view aligns with God. And so they, whatever they do, whatever they put their hands to, they flourish. The psalmist likens a wise person to a tree, if you read the full psalm. A tree that's been planted by waters. And the water that sustains this tree, that gives it life, of course, is the delight in God. A flow that comes from God into our life. These waters that flow from the heart of God into our life nourish us and sustain us and allow us to flourish. And their heart beats with the same rhythm and their desire for life springs from God who is the source of their life. And if you're a wise person, the psalmist says, you nourish on this substance that will help you grow and mature and be prosperous because your prosperity doesn't come from your ability. It comes from God's sustainability. The psalmist says, whatever you do will prosper because of your source. But if you read the rest of the psalm, he continues on and gives insight to one who does not follow the same instruction. And you get to see the opposite end of the spectrum of one who is in contrary view to what God's view is. When you have time, read it. But this morning, I want you to lean into this idea of flourishing in your life. I want us to understand our place, our position, and our ability in God's world. If we want to prosper, and I'm sure all of you want to do, in our relationship, in our marriages, at your work, in education, in health, in finances, and especially with our walk with God, we need to be able to flourish in the right environment. Because the right environment helps us grow. A good environment is conducive to flourishing. Because as everyone knows, if you plant a seed in the wrong soil, it won't germinate, it won't grow. Again, Jesus talked about this in a parable. Some of you might have read it. He talks about a sower going out to sow seed. 
And the seed is scattered into different soils, but it's a soil that's good ground that actually begins to flourish and produces a great harvest. It's not the soil that falls on hard ground or thorny grounds, but it's a soil that falls on good grounds. You see, you and I need an environment that stimulates growth because our success produces another generation of success. Because you see, the principle is that one seed does not produce one more seed. One seed produces many other seeds. So your success in God enables a future generation to be successful. As you walk, as the psalmist said, as a tree planted by the rivers of water. One seed does not produce one more. It produces a multiple harvest. See, the growth of the church therefore hinges on our individual growth. Then that produces multiple growth. The church cannot grow if you don't grow. Because we are the church. The this church, transformed church, is a direct reflection of all of us. This church is viewed to the outside world. is not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon all of us together. It's our attitude that will become the church's attitude. It's our view that will become the church's view. It's our success that depends upon the church's success. So when we choose to engage with the way of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and the works of Jesus, we bring the reality of Jesus' vision into our life and into the church. When we take on his mission, we become the church. When we take on his attitude, we take on his likeness. Our values, therefore, must come from Jesus, who is central to the church and to our lives as Christ followers. So, here's a massive question. So, who did Jesus want in his church? His heart was for people that were far from God. He came so he could tell them, that God is not a distant God, He's not a, a far off God, but He's a God that comes near. He's a God that loves them, a God that took out of His heavenly position and came down to an earthly one. So we, as Christ followers, must reflect the same attitudes in our dealings with one another and with our dealings in the world. Because as people of God, we also have to seek out and help nourish those who are far from God. Jesus spent time, most of his time, with people that other people didn't want to spend time with. He went to places where the religious leaders of the day would not sit. He sat down with dinner with those who were despised and far from God. See, Jesus didn't call people to go to church. He called people to be the church. And that's a massive difference. In fact, Jesus' teaching was so radical at the time that people were so encapsulated by it, they were so enthralled by it, they couldn't help but gravitate to Jesus because his teaching was so radically different from everyone around us. Those religious leaders of the day, they weren't talking about what Jesus talked about. He had such deep insight. See, it was not the normal religious teaching because Jesus taught for transformation. He taught for life change and he challenged people into being something that was beyond just existing. He challenged them to become 
followers. People that were attracted to him followed him on journeys across arid terrain. They followed him because they were tired of the same old religious thing. Religion kept them oppressed. Religion had them in the same state that they were before. Religion had not set them free. So when Jesus came, he came to change everything. How we see God was about to change. How we relate to him was about to have a massive shift. How we follow God was going to be transformed. And fundamentally, how we react and have relationship with God from Jesus was going to be changed forever. See, we are no longer the outsiders looking in. We're not part of the crowd anymore. We, as observers on the outside, we become part of the team. We become part of what Jesus is doing. Now we are on the team. We're not on the outside. And I want you to see this perspective through the eyes of one who was on the outside. His name was Matthew. Listen to what, how Matthew talks about Jesus. Matthew, if you didn't know, was a tax collector. He was on the outside. He was despised by his own people, hated for what he did for a living, but he had an encounter with Jesus that changed everything. He was living in a religious system that had absolutely no impact on his life. His story had not changed. There was no transformation. In fact, Matthew, if you know anything about Matthew, he was a Levi. And a Levi was supposed to be a priest. Priest serving in the temple. He was part of the priesthood. That's what he was supposed to do. That's where his family did. That's where his family served. He had come from a family that served in the temple. You could say he was a lapsed priest. It seems he would rather go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum and go out away from his family and do something that was despised because his faith in the religious system of the day had decayed. If you put it in a modern context, he didn't want to be a pastor of a church. He would rather be a tax collector. And we all know how we love the tax man, right? So he aligned himself with the conquerors of his people that have been oppressing his own people. But one encounter with Jesus changed the trajectory of his life. Listen to how he describes Jesus' teaching. And this is Matthew's own account of his experience with Jesus. This is what he says. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. If you read Matthew's account of Jesus, he says over and over and over again, large crowds followed Jesus. Matthew is trying to point out that, yes, this is true. He had great crowds that followed him, but Matthew is also trying to communicate to us that he was part of the crowd. He was the outsider. He was just the observer. He was just watching what happened. 
But then, after the encounter, he became a follower. And a more apt description for Matthew would be a transformed follower. Now let me ask you a question. Are you just content to sit in the crowd and listen to what Jesus said? Are you content to just sit there and observe his words and and look at what he did and see how he does things and be content to be on the outside? Or do you desire for something more? A place where you can truly flourish. Do you want to be like Matthew and have an encounter that can transform your life and your outlook and your worldview? Matthew went from collecting money to collecting people. It's one of Jesus' promises. See, our lives are are filled with just busy life things. We collect stuff in our life, in our homes, in our houses, online. And we just accumulate it. But there's no transformation. But when we are presented with an opportunity to make a change, when we are provided with a chance to accept the invitation of Jesus, we have to accept and carry the mission of Jesus forward because that's what brings transformation, not just in our life, but in the surrounding community and our family as well. How we deal with people, how we love people, how we talk to people. See, we are transformed. We don't want to be just another church. We want to be the church that Jesus envisioned. A church that Jesus is the center of. Because see, Jesus did not give his life to the church for us to be religious people. He birthed the church for us to be transformed people. And so we who call ourselves Christ followers have to carry on the tradition, the mission, the values, the ways and the works of Jesus. We carry in us, when we come to God, the radical mission that he started that many years ago. It's in our DNA as Christ followers. Like Matthew, when he followed Jesus, his life was transformed to transform others. So you and I, We have to be transformed to help transform other lives. Matthew went on to write his own story in his own gospel. And his story was the story of Jesus ultimately. Because Jesus is in the middle of every one of our stories. Our story would not be worthwhile if Jesus was not in the middle of it. Your life speaks to Jesus' story. And so Matthew, he begins to document his experience. That one moment, that one encounter that he had with this man that transformed his life. That allowed him to go ahead and transform other lives. He writes about himself in the third person. And this is what he says. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew. Mind you, he's talking about himself. Sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he's told him. And Matthew got up, and repeat with me, followed him. Say it with me, followed him. Follow me, was Jesus' instruction. And I ask you to lean in. Jesus didn't say, believe in me. Jesus didn't say, accept me. Jesus didn't say, give me your life. He said, follow me. And that, in fact... If you read it in your Bible, if you read it in your scripture, it's actually in quotations. 
Because Matthew wants us to know that this is not a paraphrase. This is not a synopsis of what Jesus told him. These are the exact words that came from Jesus. They are follow me. It's what Matthew wants us to see. Those exact words. Follow me. Follow me demands exactly that. Follow me. Because you see, I can believe but not follow. I can accept but not follow. I can believe and do what I want. I can accept and do what I like. But following means I have to leave what I'm doing and follow in the direction that I'm asked to go. So Matthew wants us to understand what it means. I'll leave what I'm doing and followed. In fact, he said he left his booth and he followed Jesus. Which means I go even if I don't like where Jesus goes. You see, a lot of times the disciples didn't like where Jesus went. They didn't like going into areas that the Jewish people despised, like Samaria. Because they hated the Samaritans. But Jesus went through Samaria. And because they were followers of Jesus, they had to follow. So follow, even when I don't want to go where Jesus goes. Follow means I must go. Because that's where Jesus goes. Matthew wants us to notice the importance of these two words. Follow me. You see, as Matthew sat at his tax collector booth, there was hundreds of people that walked by him every day. They all looked at him with despising eyes. They all hated him. That's what he's writing. Even today, you hate the tax person, right? But Matthew, well, he was a homegrown boy that had sold out to a foreign occupation. And that was not good. Because his own people hated him even more. They despised him. No one stopped to have great conversation with Matthew. They would skirt him. They would go as far as they could from Matthew. No one stopped at Matthew's booth unless they were required to pay the taxes. And they hated that and they hated him. But here comes Jesus. Under no compulsion, under no authority, under no obligation to stop. But Jesus stops. Because Jesus saw Matthew. He didn't see a tax collector. He saw Matthew the man. He saw not the despised person, not the hated person, but Matthew the lonely person. He saw value in someone that needed to be loved and accepted. And he said to him, follow me. That was so compelling to Matthew because no one else had stopped to talk to him. But here comes this man that saw him, saw the person. And Matthew followed because he was valued and he was seen. See, sometimes we have people in our world that we encounter with all the time that we don't see. The cashier at Kohl's, when you're on the phone, you don't see them. The person that you walk down the shopping center that's standing outside, you pass them by, you don't see them. That neighbor that you walk by all the time, you don't see them. You live by them, but you don't see them. 
They're just someone out there. But Jesus stopped and paid Matthew full attention. Matthew felt so valued by Jesus, he got all his tax collector friends, because that's all the kind of friends he had. No one else would be his friend. And he had a party, and he invited them, and he invited Jesus to come to this party, because he wanted them to experience the same sense of value that he got from Jesus. And so he invited the people that were his friends, his closest people in his world. He invited them to come to meet the one who had transformed his life. So they can have transformed lives as well. They went to meet Jesus. Because Matthew, I remind you, was transformed to help others transform. That's what Jesus does even today. Jesus went out of his way to spend time with these people. And many of them came and followed Jesus. But at this party, a bunch of religious people showed up. They crashed Matthew's party. They weren't invited. No one invited you. No one called you. Why are you showing up? Why did you come? Well, they came to be critical. They came to criticize. They criticized the party. They criticized the house guests. They criticized Jesus. And Matthew records Jesus' response at this party. And this is what he says. This is what Jesus responds to those people that are criticizing. This is what he is. But go and learn, Jesus says. Go and learn this. For this means, for what this means. Learn what this means, he says. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I've come to call the righteous, not the sinners. You guys, he says, are interested in talking about all that you do and how you serve God and how you sanctify yourself and all the sacrifices you do for God and how you stand at corners and pray loudly so people can hear you and and think you're something special. But what God really desires is to show mercy and love to those that are far from God. This is who God is, Jesus says. The one who wants to go towards those who are far from God. How Let them have an encounter with him. Because I didn't come for you, Jesus says, I came for them. Those guys at the corner who you just call sinners, that's who I came to this party for. That's who I want to spend time with with. Can I update this text for you? Is that okay? At the risk of offending your Christian sensibilities, Jesus didn't come for the church folk. He came for the ones that were far from God. We would like to think that Jesus would hang out with us. We would like to think that Jesus, if he came now, would be among us. Let me read Jesus' words again to you, and you can really understand what he's saying. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus would not hang out with you guys. Or us. Does that offend you? No. Are you upset by Jesus' words? The Pharisees, they were highly upset. They were offended in such a way that they plotted to kill Jesus. Because they were so offended. A few verses later, they call him Satan. So here we are at the juncture of the offense 
and Jesus' words. Right there in this moment where Jesus says, I didn't call you, I didn't come for you. Where do you sit? On which side do you sit? Do you sit with the religious people or do you sit with Matthew and his sinner friends? Where do you sit? Do you just come to church or do you want to be the church? Are you sitting with Matthew or are you sitting with the church people? That's the context. The Pharisees were the church people. Now, most of us, we would say, you know what? I'm going to be sitting with Matthew. I'm sitting with Jesus. But are you really? Are we really sitting in Matthew's corner? Are we really sitting with those people that are called sinners? Jesus makes a clear distinction between who he prefers to hang around who he considers to be of primary importance to his mission, who the focus of his mission is. He does not get everyone to sit around in a circle and sing Kumbaya and lecture them on the importance of getting along. He doesn't do that. No, he says, I'm with that guy, the sinner guy. I'm in his corner, not yours. And he actually causes further division because that's what he came to do. He came to do something different than what the religious leaders of the day wanted. He was doing something completely in opposition to them. This is not the Jesus that you grew up to believe. This is not the Jesus they taught you about in Sunday school, right? But this is the real Jesus. This is what he said. This is what he did. He aligned himself with the sinner the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and not the religious people. In the modern context, not the church people. Jesus didn't come to play nice. He came to make radical change. Change so drastic, so deep to the fabric of society that day, he had to pay for it with his life. But think about Matthew for a second. Matthew who's writing to us. Matthew whose story we are reading this morning. Matthew is writing to us. This is the story of one who was hated, rejected, despised, and abandoned by those people he called family. His own people. But here comes this man that aligns himself with him. Stands with him against those who call themselves godly, against those who claim to be serving God. So I ask you again, where do you stand? Religion says you can come and you can sit in rows and that's enough. Because if you hang out with religious people, you're good enough. But Jesus says, no, as Christ followers, we must follow Jesus because it's in the following and it's in the doing that brings transformation. It's in following him. Even when he goes to places we don't want to go. Matthew is a story of transformation. And Matthew was transformed to help transform others. If we are on Matthew's side the one who follows Jesus, well, we must be also transformers who help transform others.
to carry the mission of Jesus, to love those who are rejected, those who are unloved, embrace the drowned trodden, see people like Jesus saw people, not as objects, but as people, and deal with them in the way Jesus did. And we have to see them through the eyes of Jesus. And so I ask you one more time, where do you stand? And if you profess to be a Christ follower, if you say, yes, I follow Jesus, then you have to be transformed to help transform others. Because that's what Matthew is telling us. That's his story. If this is you, you can't just come to church and sit around. That's not what you're called to do. You're called to be part of Jesus' mission to transform your life and transform those around you. That's why Jesus came. You have to get in the transformation game. You have to make this place where we gather every week a place that God can come and people that are far from God can come and encounter his presence because that's where Jesus sits. Where do we sit? You serve like Matthew and make it your mission to see transformation in the lives around you. You use your gifts and your talents to serve as Jesus did. You don't just come and sit in church. You become the church. Because that's how you flourish. You know, you follow Jesus' pattern, his way, and his words. See, each of us, we have an ability, the opportunity to love, to serve, to embrace those who are far from God. And there's a vast array of opportunities here for us every single week for us to get involved as little or as much as you desire. But serve we must because that's what Jesus does. Because nothing gets you closer to Jesus than doing what Jesus did. Remember, we are transformed to help transform others. So where do you start today? It's a new year. It's a new opportunity. And for some of you, it's a new church. See, transform, transform church. Transform is not a place to go to. Transform church is a place that you can be the church. We don't want to be another church down the corner. We want to be the church that Jesus talked about. That Jesus modeled. That Jesus lived. The place that wants to follow in Jesus' footsteps. Because we want to love all. To direct all to Jesus. To see the unloved encounter Jesus. And most certainly to follow Jesus' example. Matthew was transformed to help transform others. That's his story. That's his experience of encountering Christ. And if you know Jesus, you are also been transformed to help transform others. You can start here. You can start today. Pick a place. Pick an opportunity. Talk to people. Show Christ to those that are far from God. Serve people like Jesus served. And you too will have a story of transformation like Matthew's story. So I ask you one last time, where do you stand? Where do you sit? Where do you align yourself? Where can you flourish?
in this season to flourish for your life, for my life, we're here to help you. We've created good ground. Your seed needs to be planted. It's time to get yourself connected and help someone else's life get transformed. So repeat after me. I am transformed to help others transform. That's why we follow Jesus. Because that's what Jesus came to do. So let me ask you two questions. Number one, where will you get connected today? Where can you get yourself plugged in? What ministry? What area of the church? It doesn't have to be every single week. It doesn't have to be every single time. If you want to serve once every four months, you can do that. If you want to serve every week, you can do that as well. The opportunity is there for you. Where will you get yourself plugged in? Where will you get yourself connected today? We have some amazing leaders here at Transform, and I want you to put your hands together for them. They did an amazing job this morning. I'm so privileged and honored and appreciative of the many wonderful leaders that we have here at Transform. Transform is not led by one person. It's led by a multitude of amazing leaders. All of us get an opportunity to serve and to display Christ's love. You and I are part of Jesus' mission. It's not a select few that have to do the job. It's all of us. We, corporately, together, we are the church. And Christ gave his life for you just as much as he gave it for me. We, together, make up the church. So what they see outside, what the news reports about, is not just about me, it's about all of us. And what we show and what we project is what everyone sees. Not just a select few, but all of us together. Because we are the church. All of us together, corporately. So what they see is what we are. And if we want to change what they see, we have to change who we are. Let's be a church that is known for radically loving people, for serving our community, for serving one another, for loving one another, and taking on the mission of Jesus. Number two, how do you make time in your world to help transform a life? Maybe it's just sitting down with someone, catching up with someone, having coffee with someone, talking to someone. But if you don't make time in your world, then the transformation that's occurred in your life will not multiply because it's not been planted to flourish. Because one life of transformation produces many more lives of transformation. So how do you make time in your schedule, in your day, in your week, in your time, to help transform a life? How do you be like Matthew, who after his encounter with Jesus, said, you know what, I'm loving this new transformed life. I'm going to go get all my friends, gather them together, and bring this guy who showed me who I am, my value, and help them transform their life. How do we gather people 
and get them to know who Jesus is. Not beat them over the head, not talk down to them, not demean them, but to love them to Jesus. Because that's what Jesus did. He went out of his way to sit, talk, and have meals with those that the religious people despised. And we would like to think sometimes that Jesus would come and sit among us, but I, I challenge that perception. I don't think Jesus would sit among us. I think he would sit with those that are far from God, that don't know who he is, and gather them together like he did. And sometimes we don't get the opportunity maybe to go down to the city or do whatever. But when we come to church on a Sunday, there's people that come in. We can show that love. You can do it now in a couple of hours. Every week you can come and you can display. And when you see someone, you go talk to them. Don't just sit with a person that you talk to every single day on the phone and in person. Go talk to someone that you don't know. Show Christ's love. Spend time with those that are standing by themselves. And sometimes I go down and I see people standing by themselves all the time. And other people are walking right by them. And no one stops. No one stopped for Matthew. But Jesus did. We need to stop and see people like the way Jesus saw people. We need to love people like the way Jesus loved people. We need to align ourselves with who Jesus aligns ourselves with. Not what everyone else thinks, but what Jesus says, because that's who we follow. We follow Jesus. That's who he is. So I'll leave you with this question. Where do you sit? Who do you sit with? Who do you align yourself with? Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.